0: Good morning or afternoon, evening to all the brothers and sisters and to all of the rest of the people who are joining us today in our sermon, our reflection of the Word of God, the Bible, and will receive a greeting with all of my love and affection to all of you. A very special greeting to the brothers and sisters who are congregating in the different churches in the United States, and in also other countries where the church has been allowed to open its doors, and they are there today, also enjoying this teaching along with us. So a greeting to all of you, and many blessings from behalf of the Lord. And while you may have a seat, you can get comfortable, and Here we continue in this fight against everything that the forces of evil try to rise against us and against the world, against people. But we are here fighting with this very beautiful weapon, the Bible, the Word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God in our midst, And these are very powerful weapons that we have in order to fight and continue and to rescue many people, to rescue many, many souls for the kingdom of God. And so there are many testimonies that I've heard of the wonders that God is carrying out in the midst of people, men and women, the elderly, God manifesting himself in a very different way, God giving dreams. And visiting people in hospitals while they are there, ill, in a very serious condition. And there, the Lord comes to speak to them, to comfort them, to give them dreams, and people are healed. Then the doctors are surprised, because they say, well, they were in the intensive care unit, and now they're well And the person says, well, it's God who works all these miracles because I believe in God. And so how beautiful it is to hear all of these testimonies of the wonders God is constantly performing in our lives. God is manifesting and working many miracles. And so today, well, we're going to devote our heart to him. We're going to give God all of our attention to this sermon That this sermon may reach and touch our heart and that we put it to practice. That's the most important thing, that we do everything God teaches us. And in this manner, we please the Lord. And also in this manner, God will be very pleased with us. But before we begin, we're going to sing our hymn. All the brothers and sisters, you all know, those who congregate in all the different churches, that today's service is a little bit longer than usual and well the sermon sometimes runs a little bit long but you already know you need to be patient with me because later on when once everything goes back to normal the services normally will be about an hour and a half in all the locations but for the time being we're going to enjoy the reading and the scripture in the bible and since we're reading by chapters There are some chapters that are longer, others that are shorter. That's why time varies. But either way, we do everything for God with all of our heart. And the Lord knows these things. And we're going to sing to the Lord without any musical background, instrumentation. We're going to sing hymn 226, titled Mansion Over the Hilltop. Now, the mansions are what the Lord has in store for us in eternity. So after death... The Lord says he has a city, a a temple, a building. He has many mansions for us to dwell in, for us to be happy in, to live with God. And I'm sure there we will have a lot to do, a lot of things to be busy with and to work on glory to the Lord. And so those are the beautiful mansions the Lord has in store. And we're going to sing with all of our heart.
1: I'm satisfied with Just a cottage below A little silver And a little gold But in that city Where the ransomed will shine I want a gold one that silver line I've got a man Just over the hilltop In that bright land where we'll never grow old And someday yonder we will never more wander But walk the streets that are purest gold though often tempted tormented and tested and like the prophet my pillow a stone and though i find here no permanent dwelling i know he'll give me a mansion my own i've got a mansion Just over the hilltop In that bright land where We'll never grow old And someday yonder We will never more wander But walk the streets that Are purest gold Don't think me poor or deserted or lonely I'm not discouraged, I'm heaven bound I'm just a pilgrim in search of a city I want a mansion, a harp and a crown. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday yonder, We will never more wander, but walk the streets that are purest gold. Blessed and
0: praised is the Lord. Thank you. We give the Lord thanks for this opportunity to be here one more day in the presence of the Lord. And here the Lord knows that everything that we do. We do with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. And today we're going to read the chapter we have prepared in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And there is a subtitle, which is Principles of Marriage, and how hard it is. It is very hard to talk about marriage. And it's hard because here this goes over the different problems there are with marriage and the different principles. And we're going to find here the different culture and also the years and customs of the time and also religion. Because here when the apostles began to preach the gospel They had come from the Judaic religion of the Jews, and they were accustomed for thousands of years back to practice a religion, which was the law of Moses. They had rules, and well, they had certain parameters that God had taught Moses so that he could then share with the people of Israel, share the teachings with them, and give them the commandments. And he would say to them that they needed to keep all of those commandments so that they could receive God's blessings, so that they could be happy in life. And so Moses, he did his work as the Lord appointed him to do, And he gave those commandments, those orders, those precepts, judgments, ordinances, all of that he shared with the people of Israel. When our Lord Jesus Christ came, he had to keep all of the law of Moses because before then, no man, no person was able to fulfill the law. And God, God could not end that covenant and to begin a new one until the other one, the old covenant had been fulfilled for someone to fulfill it completely in its entirety. So this is why he said, not a single jot or a tittle will by no means pass until the law is fulfilled. And he came to fulfill the law and he did. Once he fulfilled the law, he abolished it. It was made null on the cross of Calvary with the sacrifice that he made on the cross. The Lord was crucified, sacrificed, and there the law of Moses came to an end. The Lord himself speaks somewhere and he says the end of the law is Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who finished the covenant and the new one then began. But either way, the Lord was always teaching the commandments And he taught man that those commandments that God had given to Moses needed to be fulfilled. Those commandments on those tablets of stone that God himself wrote down. And those commandments, even to this day, are valid and will continue on to be valid for all eternity. Those commandments. Now, a lot of customs and rituals changed from what God had told Moses originally that needed to be done in that time And they were burdens that were placed upon the people because it was difficult to fulfill word for word. The Lord placed many burdens. He placed all of these rules and rituals upon them for them to do, knowing that they would not be able to fulfill them all. And the Lord, knowing the hardness of the people, knowing that the people were rebellious and stubborn and that no one would ever submit themselves to God's will. This is why God did that with that purpose, of placing those heavy burdens that they themselves could not bear and carry. And those heavy burdens, well, the years went by, centuries went by, time went by. And our Lord Jesus, he tries to lighten that yoke, that slavery. And the Lord fulfilled the law and then said, no one now will be saved through the law of Moses. Now you will be saved by believing that I was sent by God. I am the only mediator between God and men, that I am the only way, the life, the one who teaches the truth so that you may reach God. And so the Lord said, the commandments continue, but now these commandments are accompanied with the work of the Holy Spirit. And so these commandments are no longer burdensome. It is no longer difficult for man to fulfill the Lord's commandments because they now have the help of the Holy Spirit. And this is why in this chapter, because there is a sum, I summarize all of this because in chapter seven, we're going to find very difficult things, especially difficult to fulfill, difficult to be able to carry. People will say, Well, this is too hard. I'm not able to do this. But I say we are capable when we let ourselves be guided by the Spirit of God, when the Spirit of the Lord is in our midst and helps us, everything is possible. So, As we read these verses, we will find that the help of the Holy Spirit is very necessary. The help of the Lord is very necessary in our life in order to fulfill this, which apparently speaking seems so difficult. Now, in chapter 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, this is where we're going to be reading. The chapter is long. It's about 40 verses, but we will quickly try and read so that we are able to learn we're trying to learn we're analyzing we're reflecting we're trying to see how it was in that time and how things are today and what do we still need to keep what is it that we still need to submit ourselves to in the lord in his word and so the apostle paul here in this chapter seven talks about the principles of marriage or problems because people would write letters to him. Like I said to you before, in that time, there was no internet. There was no email. There was none of that. And so it was by messengers. There was, there was somebody who would be riding on a donkey or a horse or a mule, whatever you want to call it. And they would go maybe a couple of days. It would take them to bring a letter, to bring the mail. That's how hard it was in that time. And so the Apostle Paul would receive letters from the different cities in Europe and in Asia, wherever the church was there. He would receive letters regarding different problems that were in the church. A lot of problems. And he, inspired by the Holy Spirit and with the doctrine that the Lord gave him, he, at the same time, would answer And reply to these letters in such a way that they have been useful, are still useful to us today and for those also coming in the future. So in verse 1, it says, Now concerning the things which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Now we're discussing marriage here. And he says, It is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Now it says here, because of sexual immorality or fornication. So each person could have one wife, or she could only have one husband. Now we see here, now in the gospel, with the teaching. Of the Holy Spirit that was already now in the midst of the congregation. The Holy Spirit was there teaching the doctrine just as the Lord had promised. He said, I'm leaving, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so that he be with you and he will teach you, guide you. Now, it's not just that you will have the letter. The letter or the books of Moses or the books of the prophets or Psalms, you'll have that as support, but the Holy Spirit is who will teach you the doctrine from here on out and what you need to do. That was the promise the Lord made, a promise that has been fulfilling even today, 2,000 years later. And so this is why here we find, we find how God is demands and it says here each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband and that was because of sexual immorality and it was no longer how in that time if that if a man was very wealthy very rich he could have up to 3 wives or even more according to his wealth well then likewise he would have many women in the gospel it was now forbidden the holy spirit now said well This, that custom should come to an end. Each man should have one wife and each woman have one husband. And in verse number three, it teaches, let the husband render to his wife the affection due her and likewise also the wife to her husband. So vice versa. Meaning the two, they needed to Fulfill their conjugal duties mutually. Now, I do get a lot of emails. People write to me. They, well, more women write to me than men regarding this topic. But also there are men who do write, And there are men who say to me, I have my, um, I have a, a wife, but my wife denies me, refuses me. She refuses me. She fakes to have a a lot of things to do, or she's sick, and what can I do? Likewise, women write to me, and they say, My husband refuses me. He wants nothing to do with me. What should I do? Well, since I get so many emails about this, I realize that there are a lot of problems concerning this. But if we, men and women, if we were wise, we can go to God. We ought to go to God. Why not go to the Lord and share with God this problem? Be it the man who is facing this problem or the woman who's facing this problem. Share it with the Lord. Tell him so that he may guide you. But then someone could say, well, I have prayed to God and he doesn't hear me. For God to hear us, we need to cry out to him and seek him with a sincere heart and acknowledge that he exists, that he is real. He is a reality. That it is possible for God to guide us, to speak to us. And also, God hears us when we we aim to live an upright life before Him. And so with that, with under those conditions, God will hear us and help us to resolve our problems. Problems that human beings can't resolve. Now, of course, there are... How could I say this? Well, there are things that people, problems in marriage... That people say, well, no. I Love has run out. Since I don't love him anymore, I don't love her anymore. Well, then I don't want anything to do with them. There are a lot of problems. A lot of problems surge. Problems maybe with even illness. The woman could become ill or he could become ill. And they cannot keep up with their conjugal duties. But everything has a solution, which is prayer before God. So that... Any types of these kinds of circumstances that can come up in marriage, whatever it might be, sickness or whatever it is, maybe lack of love, maybe lack of understanding, everything has a solution when the man and that woman seeks God and trusts him. Now, here the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church. He is speaking to a congregation. He is speaking to the church in Corinth. And there in that church, there were a lot of people who had converted to God. They were following the path of the gospel. And they had all of these problems. And this is why the apostle wanted to help and give them this guidance and advice. And as he was speaking to a group of people who had converted. So he also then refers here Using the doctrine, he is speaking to those who converted to the Lord. And in verse number four, after he says to them that each of them should render that affection. In verse number four, it says, The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time. Now here, this is speaking of that spiritual side where he says, if you are worried or you're busy with praying, and in that time, there were people who would fast because they would fast among the people of Israel, among the Jews, they were accustomed to fast. And they would do that in order to soften the heart of God. And so they would fast frequently. They would pray and fast so that God could hear me. Now in the gospel of the Lord, we are not going to soften the heart of the Lord so much with fasting, but by living a holy, upright life. Now, do you know what fasting is? Fasting is to not eat throughout the day. If you're going to fast for a day, well, that day you don't have breakfast. You don't have lunch. You don't have dinner because that day is dedicated to God. You dedicate it to pray and to read the Bible. That's what the fast is. And in the past, the people of Israel, the Jews would do it to soften, touch the heart of God so that he could help them resolve their problems. Now in the gospel, I repeat, in the gospel, we touch the heart of God by living an upright life. Because if a person is fasting, well, they can fast if they want, meaning they can fast and not eat one day. Maybe they won't eat a second or third day. But if they're living in sin, if they're doing something wrong and displeasing before God, well, then that fast is of no good. God will not listen to them. And so here the apostle was saying, well, as you are accustomed here in the church in Corinth, you're used to fasting and praying to dedicate yourself to God. Well, then you distance yourself. You distance yourself to devote yourself to prayer. But then later on, come together again so that the devil does not place any temptation This is what he says, do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And I've already now explained the reason why people wanted to maybe distance themselves for some time to pray and to fast. But later... You need to, of course, keep up with that duty, your conjugal duty. Now in verse six, but I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. So he's saying that, well, I think this is what's right. It's not that God has told me this is a commandment, but I see that what's right is for you to proceed in that manner, that if you're going to fast, if you're going to pray for some time dedicated to that, well, then you do. Distance yourself from certain things, but since at that time they were still practicing things under the law of Moses when they were still keeping the law of Moses or when they were practicing Jews, this is why the apostle then says, well, I advise you to do this and later on you'll realize that the Holy Spirit is going to teach you something better. And it is that he's going to teach you that rather than fasting, what you need to do is turn away from sin. That's better than fasting. And in this way, God is going to be conscious of your prayer. He's going to hear you. God is going to be softened before your pleas because you're going to be living a holy life and God will hear your prayer. And so You are able to touch the heart of God in that way. And in verse number seven, it says, For I wish that all men were even as I myself. The Apostle Paul, in this history of what we read, we know he never married. He never had these types of issues because he devoted himself to God. He dedicated himself to the gospel, to preach the gospel, and to travel to many places and preach the gospel. So he says... He lived very happily in his circumstance. He said, I wish that all men were even as I myself, but each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am alone. But verse nine, but if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry for it is better to marry than to burn with passion, meaning it is better to marry than to be in fornication in fornication. Why? Because he's alone, and if he's alone, well, then then you'll maybe end up being with one person and another and another, be it her or him, and that we call fornication. He did not want people to live in fornication, but each of them to have their partner. Verse number 10, Now to the married, I command... Yet not I, but the Lord. It is the Lord who commands. A wife is not to depart from her husband, but even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. Now what I'm reading here, this is for the believers, for men and women who have converted to God. This is, Teaching Someone is probably going to say Well this teaching is very hard It is very difficult To keep this teaching And to carry out these things It is very hard But I say I know many people In the congregation Who can keep this Have kept this have kept these commandments, these verses that are here, and it is not hard. It is the easiest, simplest thing to do. Why? Because there is love and that fear of God. And so, this, as I said, he was speaking to the church. It was people who had spiritual gifts. And he says to them not to separate. If they do separate, well, then they should not remarry, he says. And if not, well, then they should reconcile. But truly, when a man and a woman has known God and has begun to mature in their spiritual life and to know the doctrine and to have self-control, to have autonomy, in which this man or this woman are able to make their flesh bow down, can control it, and can tell their appetites and say, no, I don't want to do this or that because I don't want to displease God. I want to please the Lord in everything. And I need to flee from temptation Flee from that spiritual stumbling. Flee from those things that are jeopardizing my spiritual life. This which does not allow me to continue forward. And I need to overcome this. I need to dominate it. I need to have valor and strength and continue forward and pray and trust in God. And do everything possible so that I may reach an understanding with my partner. And to pray to God to help me as well. So that I'm able to fulfill and to do God's will. And it says, when I said before that the apostle was speaking to a group of believers. If if we go to 1 John. Here, it's ahead of 1 Corinthians. If we continue on 1 John is almost at the end of the Bible. It's very close to Revelation. Here in 1 John, in chapter number 3, some requirements are maybe to sort of reinforce what I've already said of how a man or a woman ought to behave so that they are able to fulfill these verses 10 and 11 of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. First John chapter 3 in verse number 1. It reads, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him, did not know our Lord Jesus Christ. And so it says, behold that love that the Lord has given us so that we can say that we are children of God. Well, God has deposited his love in us. He has allowed us to know him. And now we know his ways, his word, his doctrine. And in verse number two, beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, our Lord Jesus, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Verse number six. We skip to verse six. Whoever, man or woman, abides in him, in Jesus Christ or God, does not sin. And please observe this verse. Let's read this once again. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him, meaning God, nor known him. This is is what we apparently say is difficult. If a person, man or woman, if they have not known God, they are not capable of fulfilling these verses. When it says that you should not depart from that loved one, and if you depart from them or separate, then you should be unmarried for the rest of your life. Or if you can't, then reconcile. And now this happened to these men and women and these things of separation and maybe misunderstandings and conflict and difficulties that presented in their marriage could happen, but they were without the help of God. They were without the knowledge of God because when you know God, you do not fall into the trap. You do not fall into that trap. In verse number seven, here we're in 1 John 3, 6. It says, whoever abides in God does not sin. Whoever sins has not known him. Verse number seven, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. Verse eight, he who sins is of the devil. It says, he who sins is of the devil. So what happens when a man or a woman falls into the trap of the devil and they make a mistake? And we're speaking about marriage here because, well, there are many sins, but today we're speaking about marriage. What happens within marriage? Well, there's fornication and there's adultery that occurs because of unfaithfulness and infidelities. And so. In that marriage, maybe he or she was unfaithful because they didn't want to be together anymore. And so they are sinning. In sinning, what that means is that they are no longer of God. That they have not known the way of God. Because had they known the way of the Lord, well, the first thing is God helps them. Why? Because they are grasping onto the Lord. They're crying out to him to help them to be able to carry their relationship. And as they know God, and as they know the doctrine, they know the way they trust God, they pray, and God hears them. God hears. Now, there might be exceptions. Yes, yes. There may be exceptions as in antiquity, when the Lord said in the law of Moses as well, in which he taught the prophets, for example, the prophets who were men who needed to live a holy life before God. Yet God sent some prophets and said, go and live with a prostitute, with a harlot. Go and join her, be with her, have children with her. Because God wanted to punish the people of Israel and he gave them an example with an ordinary person. He gave them a living example, not using a metaphor or any symbols, but with something real. And he told the prophet, go. And when the prophet went to live with that harlot, with that prostitute, and she had his children Well, all the people were scandalized. They said, well, how is it that the prophet of God is committing adultery? If the law says you can't commit adultery and the prophet is committing adultery. But that was an exception God made because God was giving them a sign assigned to the people of Israel. He was sending them a subliminal message to the people of Israel of what they had done before God. They were unfaithful and God was going to punish that. Those are the exceptions that can exist in the life of a man or woman who knows God. Those are the exceptions. They exist in the congregation. God can allow these things in men and women who are believers, who are devoted and knowing of God's word. But today... We're not going to talk about those exceptions, nor are we going to say, or you should say, Oh, well, God has made an exception with me. And with that other person, Oh yeah, God has made an exception with me too. No, do not justify yourselves. Let's be realistic and let us accept the word of God just as it is. And so without any exceptions here, this was saying in verse number eight, he who sins is of the devil for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Verse 9, whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed, the seed of God, remains in him, meaning... The Holy Spirit remains in this man or this woman and they cannot sin because he has been born of God. God does not allow them to sin because it is God who is dwelling in this man or in this woman. And so they cannot sin because of that, because they are there with a weapon, with a shield that is defending them from the intentions of the evil one, of those temptations that the enemy places And so it says, he who knows God, verse number 10, in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness, meaning whoever is sinning is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother for a man or woman of God. They are those who are knowledgeable of the Word of God and they are mature in their spiritual life, in their understanding of the ways of our Lord. Mature also in how they control their lives and their own instincts. They are capable of being able to dissolve all of the things that the devil wants to maybe rise against them. That man or that woman, knowledgeable, Of God, they become children of God. And when the Holy Spirit comes and begins to dwell with this man or this woman, God gives them this title, children of God. And so they can no longer sin. No matter what the sin is, they no longer commit it. And we're going to go back to 1 Corinthians in chapter 7, verse 10 and 11. When the apostle was speaking to the church in Corinth as the church in Corinth had all of the spiritual gifts, he would say, everyone is now mature in their spiritual life. They already know the path. They know the way. They have seen God. They have known him. They have seen the miracles, the wonders, and the signs that God performs. So they are capable. And he would say to them, be very careful with separating. And if you do separate, reconcile, because who is going to be capable of living all of their life alone? Now, the apostle, he did live alone for all of his life, for that was a gift God gave him, but not everyone has that gift. And in verse 12, but to the rest, he says, the apostle Paul says to the rest, I, not the Lord say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe, and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. Now, here I'm answering a question for many who ask and say, well, what do I do? I'm the only one who goes to church. She doesn't go to church. She forbids me. We have a lot of arguments and fights, a lot of issues here in our marriage because of this. Or she says the same thing. She says, he doesn't go to church. He forbids me. What should I do? Well, this is when, as human beings... As human beings, I can't tell a person, separate, because I would be going against the doctrine. I can't say, separate, because that goes against the doctrine. And so, what do you need to do, man or woman, if you're facing or going through this issue? Cry out to the Lord. Kneel down before Him. If you consider yourself to be a man or a woman who is seeking the Lord wholeheartedly, and you love the Lord... And you follow him, so God has to hear you. God has to help you to resolve this problem. But do not separate. It says here, if if this man has a wife or this brother, a believer in the church, has a wife who is not a believer, and she wants to live with him, well, then they should live together. Have a marriage. Have your household and pray to God So that one day she believes or for one day him to believe and to convert as well. This is what needs to be done. Verse 13, and a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. Verse 14, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Meaning the blessings God can give this woman who is a believer, he's not a believer, but she is. So the blessings God gives them in their marriage, he receives them as well. He is covered by those blessings too. He partakes or she partakes in those blessings. If she's not a part of the church, but he is, when God blesses him, well, then she will also partake in those blessings. This is what this means here, where it says the wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. So, A blessing of God, where God is present in the marriage, sanctifying, blessing the man or blessing her, blessing the believer. And so the children, they too become a blessing from God. God begins to have mercy of those children and he sees them with eyes of mercy to bless them in their life as well. So it says, continue there, remain there, praying and asking the Lord for one day, all of them to be there together, seeking the Lord as a group. As a family. Verse 15 reads. But if there is a woman who has a husband. Who is an unbeliever. And the unbeliever departs from her. Well it says let him depart. And vice versa. Because if she or if he has a wife. And she's an unbeliever, she is not converted, and she wants to separate from him. Well, then they can separate, they can depart from each other because why would you want to live with someone who doesn't want to be with you? And so it says, depart. So the brother or the sister, they are not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. So he is giving permission for them to separate because of their differences, because one is a believer and the other is not a believer. And so there are a lot of differences, misunderstandings. There's no peace or happiness, happiness. So he says, separate. But to the believer, he says, but you already know what you need to do later on. You need to kneel down and ask God how he's going to help you resolve your problem in your life in the future. And in verse number 17 or verse 16, for how do you know, oh wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, oh husband, whether you will save your wife? And yes, that's the case. So both of them need to pray so that God allows them to both reach the knowledge and the truth of God. And I'm sure this actually has happened. I know many cases. But I also know about those other cases as well. I know many of them as well. And so here in verse 17, but as God has distributed to each one as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. And so there is a question here, which is, was anyone called while circumcised? Now, when someone first came to the ways of the Lord, the Lord said, well, you were first circumcised. You belonged to the law of Moses. And if that was your condition, circumcised, you came to know God in that manner, will then remain as such. Because God, he will begin to plan your life and he will make of you however it is he wants you to be later on. So do not change anything about your life. Do not do anything. God is the one who does everything in that person's life and how it is they need to carry on in their life throughout the days or throughout time while that believer, if that believer, if that man or woman truly is devoted to God, in that state in which you arrive, so remain because God will make you a different person. Here it says, if you were called while circumcised, will remain as such. If you were called uncircumcised, will also remain the same. And he speaks of the circumcision, saying that if you were of the law, if you were a Jew, well, the circumcision is truly nothing in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, because... That was made null on the cross of Calvary. The law of Moses was made null on the cross of Calvary. Therefore, that physical circumcision no longer has any value today for any being. Now, it is done sometimes by doctors. They order certain males to have this procedure performed, but it's only because of maybe health or hygiene, but not because of religion. Now here in verse number 19, circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. So let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. So do not be worried if you arrived a slave, remain a slave because God is going to set you free from that. And it says, but you can be made free rather use it. Yes, because this person starts to bless. God starts to bless this person and they are now free. Now in the Lord, for he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freed man. Likewise, he who is is called while free is Christ's slave. In verse 23, you were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Now, when the apostle says, each one, whatever state you were called in in, in, in whatever position or manner in which you first came and received that first prophecy, and then you converted, you continued forward, you liked it, you carried on in the church, and then later you received the spiritual blessings, God has made you promises So remain in that state for God is going to define your life and situation. If you have arrived here, maybe separated or divorced, a widow will remain as is. God will resolve your your situation. He will make you promises. He will make of you a man or a woman. However, he wants you to be children of God as the verses that we read. That God should be the one to give us that title of children of God. Let us leave everything in God's hands. He is the one who organizes our physical and material life. A person, man or woman, has no need to seek their own benefits in trying to, how to resolve and fix things and and make things of their life. And plan things and project certain things because my life needs to be this way or that way. No, don't do that because things will go badly. Let yourself be moved by God, be used by God, and you will see how God will give you joy. He will give it to you. And so whatever state you come in, and according to that knowledge that God gives, because you come here, of course, without that knowledge of God, and maybe many things happened to you in life. There were a lot of divorces and separation and, and differences. There were many things in your life, and you didn't know God. You didn't know the doctrine. You had not lived experiences with God. You didn't know what was good or what was bad. You thought everything that happened to you in life was because it happened and you tried to resolve it and to give your life a certain path and you thought that was right. But all of that made you unhappy and you were discontent and you were not fine with yourself. And then you find God. When God finally begins to speak to you, make you promises, fulfill, because God begins to fulfill the promises to that person. God also begins to give them dreams and to speak to them through dreams or visions. So the person begins to attain that spiritual maturity. That person begins to know God begins to be conscious conscious of saying, I have been stubborn in my life, and I have done things in my liking and manner, but now that I know God and I understand God's ways, now I'm appreciating what God is, who God is, and so now I'm going to submit myself to God so that he may make of me, whatever he wants for him to direct me in life. And so God begins to, to move you, to guide you, to advise you, to give you what you deserve and to place a person by your side, a woman who is ideal for you to place a man in your life who is truly ideal and who values and respects you for there to be those types of values among that couple. And that is what God does. And this is what people ought to do, to wait in God, for God to fulfill. Do not be despaired. Do not be discouraged. There are people who say, well, look at my age. I'm so old, and this can't be. If you're going to resolve your life in human terms, well, everything is going to go badly. Hold on to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord, and he will... Do the best thing for you in your life. He is going to give you happiness. He will give you joy. And he will put you in the place that you need to be. That's it. That is what the apostle wanted to say to this church. And we continue here in the scripture. And here it says in verse number 23. When he says that in whatever condition that person came in. That they should remain as such. It will be God who will then change their life. He will give them a partner if they came alone. It is God who does all of these things. So then you are then able to keep the commandments of the Lord and then convert. That's the most important thing. You become children of God. Verse 24. Brethren, let each one remain with God in this at in that state in which he was called. Now concerning virgins. Now these verses here. Now we hear... All of these verses in antiquity, yes, in the law of Moses, with that culture, all of that, God taught Moses so that he could teach the people of Israel how parents and children should be together. Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. It says that it is the apostles' judgment He says, I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is, meaning alone without a wife. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. So this was the apostle's advice. But he says, but even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh. Now, he was speaking of this trouble, meaning of misunderstandings, days of uh, adaptation where you're getting used to one another and you have to be very wise and have understanding and have love to be able to bear through all of those things and get through them and in this way have stability later on a solid stability. This is what he is saying to avoid those troubles in the flesh. Verse 29 But this I say, brethren, the time is short so that from now on even those who have wives should be as though they had none and those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who are rejoice as though they did not rejoice those who buy as though they did not possess and those who use this world as not misusing it for the form of this world is passing away now what did the apostle try to imply well that people should not pay so much attention to the material things in life but rather if you have a marriage if you have children if you whatever if you have whatever it is it is before god with with well manners and values, with good testimony, pleasing God. And that men and women, they should worry more about that spiritual part, about having the spiritual gifts, about having a closer relationship with God, having fellowship with God, that when you pray, God hears you. He answers you immediately, that when you ask God for something, God grants it to you. And so he was saying that You should not worry so much about the material things in life. Do not give that the first place, but rather that everything should be done because you need to do it and because things come and each day brings its own worries. And everything else... If you worry about something, you should worry about maturing, about obtaining knowledge and doctrine and about knowing how to behave and knowing how to do things right. You should worry about that and about the material things in life. Leave that all in God's hands. Do things right and God will help you. That is what he wanted to say with all of these verses. He was saying, well, the Lord is coming for him. It was very worrisome for the Lord to come in the clouds, to gather his people, to gather his church and to not find people prepared, people ready to receive the Lord. So this is why he would say to them, worry about learning the doctrine and about maturing spiritually and to live a holy life so that when the Lord comes, he finds a church that is holy and perfect, just as he said his church would be when he comes to gather his church. And so he said, you, men and women, worry more about the things of God, about the spiritual things, and not so much about the material, for that is added to you. God adds to each person what is good for them, what is best for them. Each day brings its own worries and cares, and God is the one who provides all things. So in verse 32, we go to verse 32, but I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And now, of course, logically, a person who is married has responsibilities of having a family and children, needs to work, needs to worry about how they face life and the reality of things to be able to sustain their household. Now, whether it's a man or a woman, these types of worries come up. Now, the apostle said, if you were unmarried, well, then you would be devoted to the Lord 24-7. To please him. So there is no other responsibility. Paul, The Apostle Paul didn't have to worry about paying rent and getting food and having a wife and children. He didn't have to worry about that because he was alone. So he would travel a lot. And everywhere he went, people would give him lodging and would feed him. So he would say, I'm happy this way. But he also said, I'm not going to be selfish. And so whoever God has given the gifts to, well, they will live according to the gifts God has given them. And those who cannot live without having a partner will live with your partner. But it is better for you to first seek God. And then later comes the material. The material things, they are given to you as time goes by. Now in verse... 34, now it says there's a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may please him. But those who are married, they are worried about the things of the world because they have to please her husband. And well, of course, we know this. Verse 35, and this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper. Now, in no moment did he want to have... Uh, any type of leash upon believers for them to ever say, oh, well, this doctrine that the apostle Paul is so difficult, how hard it is. We're not able to keep it. We're not able to follow this. So I'd rather go back. I'd rather regress because this is too hard. So he's saying it is not hard to follow the ways of the Lord because God is the one in charge of truly giving the love of giving a solution to problems, in giving that understanding between men and women so that they live in harmony, so that they are happy. I know many, many couples in all of my journey, I I know these couples who God has worked a miracle for them. They arrive to church already through the process of divorce, And they arrived to church and the Holy Spirit said to them, you won't get a divorce. I will give you love once again. You will live together. You will be husband and wife and you will serve me. And I saw the reality and the fulfillment of all of those promises. And truly that was the case. God gave love back to those couples, gave him love or her love. And I know, and even to this day, I know all of these people who still come together because God worked a miracle, a transformation in them. Because they, when they came to the ways of the Lord, in what state did they come come in? Well, they came in a state of, of a divorce. They were going through the process of divorce. That's how they came. That was the state in which they arrived in. And the Holy Spirit made them promises. And God gave them back that love and helped them to resolve their marriage. Now, all the couples, all of those marriages that have come with all of those types of problems, God has made them promises of living together again, of being together, that their marriage will continue. And so that has come to pass. That has come to pass. I have seen it. And that brings me so much joy and has also reinforced that confidence in God, my spiritual life has been reinforced to teach others that it is possible. It can be achieved. It is possible. It can be achieved with our God. Now this I have seen and there are many marriages and many people that I know that God has brought that love back to them. I remember a young woman that I met who came for the ch- to the church for the first time. She was recently divorced. She had recently been divorced about 6 months and she had a child. She had a baby who was 6 months old. She got divorced as soon as the baby was born. And she she said Or the Holy Spirit said to her to remain in the church because he was going to bless her. And one day he was going to give her a household for her to be happy. That's what he said to her. Now she continued in the church. She believed in God. And she devoted herself to seeking her spiritual life and pleasing God. Now 20 years passed. And 20 years after that, she reconciled once again with her husband, with the father of her child. She reconciled and they remarried once again. And there they were together till death because they were together for years until death separated them. And so you see what God does. It's incredible. Who could believe something like this? That after separating for 20 years, once again, you reconcile? That love comes back into their hearts. Only God can do that. Because it is only God with his power that is capable of doing all of these things that seem impossible to human beings. And so God can work many miracles. But in the congregation, just as like like the Apostle Paul was teaching the church in Corinth. And telling them what they needed to do. Now I'm sure many said, well this is hard. Because surely there were people there who had not converted to God, even having the spiritual gifts. And the most probable thing was, is that they were living in sin. They were stubborn and God was very angry with them. And the Lord is displeased with people when people come to church and they spend years in the church, 5, 10, 15 years, and people don't change, but they continue to live and to commit sin and to be stubborn and rebellious, to be angry and wrathful and fight and contend with others. They live in that way, even after being in the church for so many years. And then they also fall into infidelities. Doing things that they shouldn't, God becomes angry. And what he does is he delivers them over to the devil, and the devil then does whatever he wants with people. So the devil then begins to place that unhappiness and the differences and unlove and the instability in the family with the children. And so How is that marriage going to survive? It's going to be destroyed. And in that moment, she begins to cry out to the Lord or he cries out to the Lord and says, Well, this marriage was working, but what's happening now? Look, Lord, it's been 5, 10, 15 years in the church. So why is this happening? Well, because you are not living well in the eyes of the Lord. You were living in sin. God left you alone. And now... You're going to add another sin to the one that you had already committed to all the ones that were committed. You add another one, which is separation, divorce, and God will then charge you more. That's what happens. That's what happens. And what we read, it says the children of God do not commit sin. They do not sin. And if this happens to you, we'll know that you were not children of God. And so you need to observe and you need to see how you will reconcile with God. How are you going to uh, convert again? Well, not convert, but how are you going to win over the heart of God again? Because you, you can't say that you're going to convert again because you truly had never converted to begin with. What you need to do is win over the heart of God and to be sincere so that in what you already know, you may attain pleasing God. For those who are coming for the first time, well, this teaching is not for you. For those coming for the first time, if you come with these types of problems or in whatever state you arrived in, remain as you are for God will resolve the issue. But I do advise you to be sincere. For you to convert for you to believe in God with sincerity so that God may help you to resolve any problem it is that you come with whatever problem you have in life and well here we're going to conclude let us finish these verses to to conclude and it says here in verse number 36 but if any man thinks He is behaving improperly toward his virgin if she is past the flower of youth, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin, let them marry. So in that time, parents had a certain control and power over their children. They were those, they were the ones who chose who their children married. And the children, sons and daughters, they would submit themselves to that because that was their culture That was the teaching that was in the law of Moses, which was drastic. The law of Moses and the teachings, they were very strict and difficult for people to fulfill all of it. But there were physical punishments at the time. There was a lot of discipline. People, out of fear of punishment, out of fear of discipline, they would submit to those certain commandments. And among them, it was that submission... Of children to their parents. That submission. That the parents. They had that control over their children. They were submitted. And they would let themselves be submitted. Because the law was very strict. If there was a son or a daughter. Who was not submitted to their parents. They were not submitted to them. Well then it was certain death. It was was the death penalty. And of course. To avoid that death sentence. Who wouldn't do whatever mom or dad was saying? Now in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, well, the Holy Spirit has given a certain amount of freedom to men and women. He has given them the freedom to choose what they want for men and women to choose for them to make decisions and to define their life. And so if a woman falls in love and says, well, I want to marry this man, or the man says, well, I want to marry this woman because I'm in love with her, I like her. And so the parents no longer intervene because the Holy Spirit has been the one to give that freedom so that they are able to choose and for the parents to respect. And yes, of course, parents guide them and advise them. But in the hour of truth, if that person may be a stubborn, they do whatever. They won't submit to their parents. And as there is no longer any physical punishments as in the past, the law of Moses, where there was punishment because you didn't obey your mother or father today, there is that freedom that the Holy Spirit gives that many people have turned the freedom that our Lord Jesus Christ has given us or what the Lord has given us through the Holy Spirit, that freedom to us all in every aspect it has become, or many people have turned it into an abuse of liberty. This is why there are some people who say, well, I'll go and do evil things. I'll steal, do whatever I want, and then I'll ask God for forgiveness. Other people who say, well, I'll go over there, and I'll hurt people. I'll commit adultery and fornication. I'll cheat and con people, kidnap people. And then I'll go and confess, and someone will forgive my sins and tell me not to any sin anymore. And that has become an absolute abuse of liberty. It's abusing God's mercy and of that liberty and freedom that the Holy Spirit has given all human beings so that all of us may make our own decisions and know what that right path is that we should take. And so we read the Bible, we hear the word of God, we hear prophecy, and I make my decisions. My heart is joyful. I love God. I want to follow God. And so I make a decision of following the Lord and pleasing him in all things. That is the decision. And that's the freedom he's given me. And so the children, sons and daughters, the same with that freedom. Well, they now, they tell their mother and father, what do you, what is your opinion? Help me to choose because I like this brother. or I like this young man. I like this And so the parents, they guide their daughter, but never forces them. That is the difference that there is now with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the world has taken this as a way to abuse that liberty. But those who love God wholeheartedly, we respect. And we will not ever abuse the word of our Lord. But we will do things respectfully To try and please the Lord. Now, in verse number 38. So then, he who gives her in marriage does well. But he who does not give her in marriage does better. Now, this was, of course, regarding that control of parents and the authority that they had upon their children. Verse 39. A wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. But she is happier if she remains as she is, according to my judgment. And I think I also have the spirit of God. Now he, the apostle, was always advising and saying, don't get into so many troubles I'm sure the Apostle saw so many problems among the different marriages. And he said, well, I'd rather just advise them to remain alone like me. That was the Apostle's advice. But all of us, we accept everything God has given us. In the place or the position that God has given us here, he says, stand here, stay here, there, we are happy. We are happy in the Lord. And you... I hope that the teaching has not been confusing. Like I said, this teaching is for those who are in the church, those who are knowledgeable of the Bible. If you are here for the first time, because I know that there are many people joining for the first time, do not worry. God will help you to resolve your problem. If you have a problem, God will help to resolve it. There is nothing impossible to him. He is powerful. And so now let us pray to our God. Let us give thanks to the Lord. For allowing us to be here once again in his presence. Reflecting and analyzing all of these biblical passages. And we have done everything with our heart for him. The Lord knows that. And so we're going to ask the Lord to have mercy of the people who are ill. Those who are in hospitals. Because there are still a lot of people who are sick with this virus. And let us ask the Lord also for the lord to deliver to heal and to remove this pandemic and that our god may bless all those who have come for the first time and all the people who are newcomers that god may bless them guide them and advise them as well give them happiness let us pray to our god oh holy father thank you lord thank you for this reflection thank you lord because you have been with us today and you are always with us. You are always in our heart. O oh, blessed Lord, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, I praise you, O God of heaven and earth. I give you the honor and the glory and all praise. O oh, blessed Lord, thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your promises that are marvelous, for your word that is faithful, because your mercy is so great. Your mercy is forever and your promises are faithful and true. You are powerful, Lord. And to you, we call, we ask with all of our heart and we pray that you listen and hear us, that you see us, Lord, in any moment of our life, in the moments of difficulty, the moments of tribulation and sadness and bitterness, Lord, Lord. Look upon us and hear us and extend your mighty hand and deliver. Deliver all those who are captives by evil spirits, unclean spirits. I ask you, Lord, in the glorious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you stretch out your hand and that you rebuke all unclean spirit, all witchcraft, all sorcery, all curse of the devil and destroy the works of of the evil one and break the chains and cut all ties and deliver so that each person is able to reason. Each person is able to be sane in all that they think and in all that they do so that people are able to understand and comprehend your ways so that they may have this own reasoning in order to pray and to present themselves before you, crying out to you, Lord, for all of their needs, for all of their illnesses, for all of the tribulations that they live in their lives, in their marriages, in their places of work, anywhere where people are, that people are suffering. May you hear them. May you see them. May you look upon them with eyes of mercy, Holy Father. May you deliver and may you also heal and remove all of the illnesses of those who cry out to you for healing those who are in hospitals those who are at home and they are ill stretch out your hand and work miracles and signs and heal each person deliver each person and also may you grant the petitions and the desires of the heart Stretch out your mighty hand, delivering and blessing each person and remove any disbelief, any doubts, any stubbornness and help to resolve matters and issues. Give wisdom, give intelligence to many. Holy Father, for your love and for your mercy, Lord, for your promises that you make us continually. We pray that you manifest yourself in a great way in the midst of your congregation, in the midst of your church, manifest yourself, Lord, to all of those people who, for the first time, are hearing your word, who, for the first time, are congregating. Those who come for the first time, bless them, Lord, and speak to their heart. Manifest yourself with dreams and visions, and may you show them the path that they ought to follow. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord, in the glorious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Blessed and praised is your name the glory and the honor before our God let us sing to the Lord the chorus number 118 titled why should I sin chorus 118
1: why should I sin if I have been saved and their sunshine in my soul Why should I sin if my sweet Savior died for my sins to atone? Why should I sin if blackest darkness is reserved for those who sin? Then why should I sin? Then why should I sin? Then why should I sin before God? Then why should I sin? Then why should I sin? Then why should I sin, should I sin before God? It is better to live a godly life in Jesus Christ the Lord. If I overcome some glad morning, I will see Him on His shore. A beautiful shore where the arrows of the devil will be o'er, then why should I sin? Then why should I sin? Then why should I sin before God? Then why should I sin? Then why should I sin? Then why should I sin before God? Blessed and is the Lord and thank you. We give thanks to the Lord for
0: this great opportunity that we have today. Thanks to God for manifesting himself for the miracles that I know that the Lord has performed and carried out with you all. May God bless you all. And I love you all with all my heart. And until next time and to all the children, many kisses and to you all many hugs. God bless you. Thank you.